0: Welcome to the Your House, My House
1: podcast. Our goal is to create a safe space for conversation, like like talking talking to your your best best friends. Friends that have your back, that are encouraging,
0: and that challenge you to not only improve your life, but yourself.
1: Hi, everybody. I am Madison. I'm Priscilla. And welcome to the Your House, My House podcast. Woo! We are so happy to have you here listening to us today. And we appreciate you so much for joining our conversation. Um, For today's conversation, Priscilla, I'm going to let you kind of take the reins with this. Um, Okay, yeah. I mean, I
0: not sure which direction i kind of want to take it i'm definitely open to questions i know on this podcast we've already kind of talked like if you've listened prior to any of the previous podcast episodes um and especially when madison and me were doing those what were those cards called you know what i'm talking about skin deep skin deep when we're doing the skin deep cards um especially like weirdly the strangers edition asked a lot of things about childhood um and so those are some of the podcast episodes where I feel like I delved into um a conversation about what I went through as a child to some extent um shared it with Madison shared it with um everyone listening here um I had an interesting conversation today um, with a girl. It was a uh, kind of like a one-on-one, just connecting um, with another female videographer. Um, and we were kind of like brainstorming ideas of like what what we would like to do if we would do a short story or submit it mm-hmm. to a film festival. Um, and I, I think like she had a really like nice neatly packaged idea and I loved it Mm -hmm. um but mine is a little mine is a little bit more messier but like ultimately I think what I said that could maybe be a good way to like take this podcast in that direction although we can talk anything related to childhood abuse um my specific knowledge is in narcissistic abuse um particularly um narcissistic mother to narcissistic daughter. <laughs> there, I call myself a narcissist. Priscilla. <laughs> okay, well, it is what it is. Uh, um, but that's my experience. I'm actually like in the narcissistic family. I am the black sheep. Um, mm-hmm. Although I don't believe in like a bigger family. I think there can be multiple black sheep. Um, I was just the first, um, version of the black sheep. Um, and anyway, when we were talking about like the short stories, I said, you know, I think I would want to do something on, um, abuse. Definitely. Um, I'd also be interested whether I go through postpartum depression or not. I certainly hope I don't. I'd be interested in doing something on that as like Mm -hmm. short film because I think that's something that touches a lot of women. But anyway, um, I said, I was kind of trying to like hash it and I've also thought about it, you know, often when I think about like how would I tell the story, I think about telling the story from the point of like a child who all these things, these bad things are happening to. But that's your norm and you think that this is a normal parent-child relationship, right. um, particularly mother-daughter for me. Um, and my thought of the storytelling was always that I would tell it from more of the child's perspective. But as I'm getting older, um, it's changing how I like maybe how I would tell the story. And so she was talking about like maybe running two parallel lines, like storylines of the child and storyline of the adult. And I like that. And I like the idea of, um, I think for me, like a big thing is like coming to the realization that what you went through is abuse. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't think a lot of people maybe realize that. And it's hard to break a generational curse um, Mm -hmm. or a trauma um, if you want to, whatever you want to call it, um, I like the word generational curse. It's hard to break that if you don't even know that it's happening. Especially, um, if you become oblivious to it in a way of trying to. I think our mind does this, um, in order to cope. We look back on the past with rosy glasses. Mm -hmm. we look back on the past like it was really good and the further we get away from childhood we may be more inclined to do that I feel Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but so my interest in I guess like the conversation or what I would like to create or the narrative I'd like to share maybe would ultimately be if you are an adult um and there are things that felt slightly off um because not all people go end up going no contact with, um, I don't think all abuse is narcissistic. There are other, um, mental health issues. There are other family dynamics that can create abuse. You know, um, there's many different facets, um, but just a space where other people can name it, because I think until you can name it, um, you kind of can't own it. You just have this weird, floating feeling at least that's what it was for me <laughs> like things were
1: off but I couldn't call it couldn't um, abuse it right yeah. so can I do you mind if I ask you said um you were the black sheep of your family mm-hmm. what do you mean by that like what made you the black sheep because I have felt that sometimes too I mean Sophie and I are very different I don't know if I necessarily call myself like a black sheep but um mm-hmm. What out of all your siblings, and you have a lot of them, I have six. Yes, what made you feel like out of the six, you were the one that just didn't fit in?
0: Yeah, um, I think there is a difference, and um, I think you're close with your family, um, and there is a difference between feeling that you are unique, feeling maybe a little bit misunderstood which can be part of like, um, I know you call yourself very romantic. Um, It can be part of like, I don't know if you've ever, I think we think that, or you identified with the Enneagram 7.
1: Yes, Um, Enneagram 7, I think in 2 was another one that was very high for me.
0: Yeah, I am an Enneagram 3 wing 2. And I often play... um, in the Enneagram four space okay. if, I, if I can um I think the four and the two are like wings of the three but I think there's actually a direction of growth
1: I would love um, to I take I actually should take the test again and see if I still fall because the last time you and I actually took the test was it like a year ago a little it over was years.
0: yeah probably, over. probably
1: around this time maybe um, but
0: I think the thing about it is, is like, there's ways in which you can grow. Like, as I, as a three grow, I'm going to look more and more like a six, um, because right. that is the direction of growth for me. And when I become like, when I become worse, I will trend in the direction of the nine. So no letter is or number is better than the other. It's just, um, different ones trend in a different way. They have to, like we each have our own ways of growing. Mm -hmm. So it's very Mm -hmm. dynamic, I feel like in that way. But anyway, I think there's something to be said for the feeling of not feeling understood, not feeling maybe like you belong. That's a real feeling that all humans experience at one point. Um, When I say that I am the black sheep, Um, and like I said, I don't believe I'm the only black sheep in my family. Um, I believe that, um, with such a large family as that I have, um, Mm -hmm. my experience of it is that I think there are, there are multiple just because of my mother's mental dynamic, but in a narcissistic family or with a narcissistic, narcissistic, parent, um, and sometimes two narcissists will marry each other Mm -hmm. um often narcissists marries a codependent um there's just a lot of different family dynamics that could exist there um in relationship to who gets married to who but with the children and what i like to think of is children are clean slates um we may have some genetic predispositioning um but we're also i because it's like What's nurture and what's genetics, you know, like that kind of like psychology thing? Um, I think a lot of it is nurture. Um, like there's definitely genetics, um, but like an adopted child would take on characteristics of the family that they grew up with. You know, that's going to be their mom or that's going to be their dad. Mm-hmm. Um, when someone is a black sheep, there is also a golden child. Um, and so the, and the golden child might not necessarily feel like the golden child. And this is, um, my experience, um, from talking with my sister who, um, I really believe that we were like the first two experiments (laughs) is the way I look at it. Um, there is a need within the narcissistic parent, um, I guess I would almost describe it to be the center of attention. Um, to need love, um, and to feel like we all need love, but to um it's just different. And there's so many videos out on YouTube that from psychologists that I can explain it much more in depth. Um, but um any narcissist, and this is a classic way to like tell that narcissistic dynamics are happening Mm -hmm. is someone is going to be um highly favored and someone's going to be um written off as perhaps disobedient um lazy um yeah disobedient and lazy come to mind i'm rebellious um those are all things that i was called um and um it can be, think of it as like divide and conquer. So the parent wants to divide and conquer their children, right? So that the golden, they pick one child and I don't believe it's based on merit or anything because we're all children. They pick one child um, as the person that they want to be their best friend. And then they use the other child um, and they could do this with friendships too, narcissists Aren't always parents. Narcissists can be friends. Um, my I believe my mother is covert, um, but they're also it's like very typical, you know, like when someone's like, Oh, that's narcissistic, they're very um full of themselves. But um I believe my mother's covert, which means she thinks she's the victim. Um, and so what she's ultimately trying to do is she's trying to create a best friend for life, and she's using me as the um how do I explain this? She's using me as the wedge. So I will still come to confide to her. Like I will seek her approval because she's my parent um, or because she's a friend or whatever. Um, but ultimately she's going to be taking someone else and she's going to be like creating issues and dividing. Right. Um, and really, labeling something as good and something as bad when really we're humans and especially a child is not like as a christian you can say we're all born with the sin nature but we're all born with the sin nature we're all born worthy of redemption um and nothing is inherently bad or evil we were all created in the image of god um and i think um that's what the black sh- when i say black sheep that's what black sheep means to me it means that it's a systematic manipulation um in which one person paints the other person as bad um and um paints the other person as good
1: mm-hmm. um for your experience and i may have asked you this before was there ever a time in your life where you felt like your mom was great where you felt like she wasn't really abusive or was this something that has carried on your entire childhood and relationship with her
0: yeah um that's a great question um I think as she's aged it's gotten worse um and I think in a sense that we can like speak of like rosy childhood glasses um there are Mm -hmm. moments and things that I can think of back fondly um on my childhood and I remember like summers and you know um I know my mom made the dresses for me like she loved sewing and she made like little dresses um I know she was obsessed with curling my hair which ironically I think um both her and I have I don't think she knows it or has embraced it, but like I have the under texture of my hair, similar to my mom's. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think my mom probably has naturally curly hair um, and I have some wave to my hair. And I remember she like, she always wanted to look us to look cute and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, she often made um, a lot of food. I think she was probably in a better mental state. So I remember um, like, Having breakfast, lunch, and dinner regularly, and as I got older, that was not that was not something that was happening. Oh, okay. um, but even as I say th- these things, um, and even as I can like fondly remember um, the things we would do, you know, like she liked making summers fun or whatever, I have um, memories. Um, I think memories kick in for me at least around five or six. Um, I have memories of her fighting with my dad. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think we were too young. So like at that young age, you're still very dependent on her. And so I don't think she feels or felt threatened um, or felt like she was. I don't like to use the word grooming. Um, because I associate that, like, with, like, someone grooming a teenager um, for sexual Mm -hmm. stuff, but, like, um, basically, like, kind of, like, she wasn't in that, I don't think she was in that stage yet, but, like, the thing she did, like, there was one incident where um, we were very religious for a while when I was growing up, I mean, not that we weren't always, Mm -hmm. Um, but, like, we weren't allowed to play with Barbies or with our doll houses on Sundays. Like Sunday, we had Sunday. We had to take off from our Barbies and our doll houses. And even the fact that we were allowed to have Barbies, I had the impression was a little controversial with our church. Um, and which they eventually left. Um, but Something that still sticks in my mind because I found it very weird was that mom, like, I don't agree with the whole Barbie and doll thing, Mm -hmm. although I think maybe in principle it's kind of cool in the way that, like, maybe we take a Sabbath from our phone as adults.
1: Mm -hmm. We'd
0: choose to set aside that and spend time with God. Um, But it was an external, like, Pharisee rule is what it felt like to me, even as a child. Um, But one thing that she did at that young age is I remember dad went out to do like some yard work or something and she said well kids you can play um with the dolls as long as dad doesn't know and so um that sticks in my mind as I remember it like kind of shocking me um but also realizing that she wanted to be the favorite parent sure um and Um, there were little things like that um, where she'd like try to pit us against dad which sounds really weird and then as me and my sister got older than like me and my sister were she attempted to pit us against each other so um
1: no that I couldn't wow see this is why I appreciate you sharing your story because I mean I don't you know, I thank the Lord grew up in a great loving home. My parents were awesome. Um, They raised me and my sister. I'd like to think pretty well. Um, So I, this is all very new to me. And it's very educational for me to um, hear you talk about it because this is something that, you know, even as a teacher I know goes on in the homes of some of my students and Um, although I cannot fully relate to them, I still want to be able to be mindful of some of the things that they could be going through, which will help me to better, um, comfort them on the level that is needed. So I just, it blows me away that some of the things that you say, like does actually happen. I can't ever fathom one of my parents, you know, pinning, trying to get me my sister, against each other you know it's you know for you it's something that you're like oh well yeah but for me I'm like oh my gosh I couldn't imagine that I just couldn't imagine
0: it's very hard as a kid um and especially um and I think probably even true today in a world of technology um but especially then um like one of the ways I think like maybe I could have found out and known what was happening to me um, even earlier would have potentially been through the library. But Mm -hmm. how would I have known what books to look through? Mm -hmm. Um, Those certainly wouldn't be in the approved children's section. My mom looked at every book before we took it home, Mm -hmm. um, which I think is like a good parent. I I mean, I assume (laughs) is a good parent thing to do. Um, But like, if your child picked up a book on abuse, (laughs) you'd be a little bit weird. Um, In fact, my mom was very afraid. And this is what tells me, Um, I started journaling at eight. Um, And um, I think it was right around eight. I don't know. I have this tiny little journal that I had when I was little and the sentences and like the structure of it and the things that I would journal I'm like what like doesn't even really make much sense because you know we don't have as much one one second if you hear me rustling there's a spider that
1: just like no I don't know where it went oh "Oh, that's the worst feeling I saw it where did it go oh come on really Ah shoot. Okay. Now you're just gonna have to sleep
0: with the spider.
1: I guess. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Gross. That makes me so uncomfortable. Uh, Ugh. Okay, sorry about that. I saw it and it like I needed to try and get it and I clearly didn't. So
0: all right. Yeah, I think I started I was talking about journaling. I think I started um or wanted to kind of have a journal like younger than that. And one of the things my mom um discouraged was me having a journal because she said I think she said her brothers read hers. Um but even though she said that um she would read mine um which I just think is an invasion of privacy. <laughs>
1: like yeah. I feel like even yeah. as a child um What's crazy what's so funny to me is you're telling this story and something that like my parents did with me and my sister at 10 and I really want to incorporate this for my kids one day was my-, my mom at 10 years old for my 10th birthday gave me a journal for her and I to journal back and forth. Um and it was so helpful because if there was ever a time for me that I was going through something that I may not have wanted to talk to her like face to face about I'd take out my journal, write in it, put it on her bed, and she'd write back to me. And we went through, I think, two or three journals doing that. Um, and it was so helpful. It, it built our relationship so much and really got me through a lot of things. So it's so interesting to me that, yeah, yeah. I'm- I love
0: that. That is so sweet. Um I think even if you have a journal like that, it's still handy to have like a journal of your own. And um, if anyone listening to this um, has had their parent take their words and throw them in their face or bring things up from several years ago, um, you may not be, be dealing with a safe adult um, to share your feelings with. And that might be really hard. Um, I wasn't able to stop um, the back and forth of like wanting to be heard um, or wanting to be understood. There were multiple times in my life where I um, attempted to write poems or attempted to write things to my mother um, and it was really from like a, p- a place of like hurt and wanting to be understood and mm-hmm. Um, I would be attacked with those words. And so um, <laughs> I think what you're saying sounds absolutely incredible. Um, and I hope everyone is able to have the type of relationship where they can have that um, safe connection and feel yeah. safe. Um, but even written words are not always safe, um, depending on your parent.
1: Yeah. Like, that so, is my so story. to touch into that a little bit for you, um, so she would read your journal, and then take what you would write in your journal, and use that against you in some form later on. She did that a couple of times, um, but,
0: um, I think like when I first started. T- there, for some reason, I have this image of this purple fuzzy journal. It was the very first one that I was, like, going to attempt to. And it had this little key on it. I specifically remember it because it had this little key on it. Um, but my mom wanted to tell me that it was unsafe and that the key wouldn't protect the privacy. So she showed me how she could unlock it without the key. Which, just saying that, blows my mind. Yeah. Um, she really didn't want me to journal. Um, and then I ended up buying another little blue uh i think it has like a what is it like a my precious moments or something yep yep um like girl on the front i ended up buying this tiny little journal um it was less obnoxious less not as big as the purple one she may have still gotten to it she may have still read it but um uh i don't know but i was journaling in it um and I didn't let her stop me. Um, and I'm really glad. I mean, I think sometimes as children, we have this um, self-preservation, maybe this intuition that we lose to with as adults. And I think the fact that I did that was probably an unconscious thing. Like if someone told me now, like if a business guru told me as an adult, you shouldn't journal. People might read your journal. I'd be like, that's a fair point. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't be as in tune with my intuition, I don't feel, Um, because life, I think, kind of takes away our intuition. Um, But I continued journaling, and I remember I was maybe on my second journal, uh, so a little older, maybe 10, and been about maybe two years of journaling, and my mom said, you know, it really makes me uncomfortable when you journal, um, because the police might use that against me. Why would you think that if you didn't know what you were doing was wrong? Like that has, I never understood that. Uh, yeah, I had no intention of ever, especially at that young age.
1: You I mean, didn't know what I was going through. No, to do to you know to show the police that. Yeah, never I didn't be-
0: know what I was going yeah. through, and like I truly don't think at that point that I would anything the police would have looked twice at, um, because it's all so subtle. Um, and, um, I didn't know I was experiencing these things. I didn't know there was manipulation going on. Um, and I certainly wouldn't have wanted to get my parents in trouble. Um, at that point, if I did anything wrong, I truly believed, um, I did wrong and I deserve punishment, you know, very, um, typical, um, like I wanted to be good. Like I wanted, um, to be a good Christian girl. And like, even at like that age, like if there's slight little things, you know, disobedience, that parents like disciplined that, like, I don't even remember what they were, but I got my fair share of spankings, um, and you know all of the stuff that I like the little stuff that I went through like I don't even think it was high priority for me on my journal I was concerned about like my chickens and um different little things in my day I was very interested in like if we went grocery shopping or something I was kind of isolated as a child so like (laughs) we were homeschooled and we went to church sometimes and like, so going grocery shopping was a big thing for me. Um, So like, those were the things that took up space in my mind. Um, And I was very um, invested in like reading my Bible and like learning what my Bible had to say. Um, And I credit my Bible like to, um, and my markups, like the things that I underlined in my Bible as a child are still so powerful for me now. Um and I think of the wisdom um of <sighs> it's not even the wisdom of an 8-year-old girl. Um I think of the beauty that God could speak to an 8-year-old girl. Um you know, and that's really very grounding for me in like um refuting the ideas that I was a black sheep. Um, I don't believe, because I do feel that it's, I want to be careful with how I tread on this, um, because um, I think it's dangerous to call people, especially, it's dangerous to call any type of mental health, when we're trying to destigmatize mental health, it's dangerous to call anything um, demonic or demon-possessed, but, like, when you look at narcissistic behavior, and when you look at um how almost every one of them does the same thing. Um it's very hard to not think that this is not spiritual warfare. Right.
1: Um I do have more questions. Yeah. I'm almost <laughs> wondering like I'm all I'm almost wondering if we could do like a part two with this. Sure we can. Just because I have so many questions and if I asked them all tonight, we'd be here real long. Yeah. Um, but I think my next question that I'm wondering is, um, which one do I want to ask first? Um, at what point were you starting to realize that what your mother was doing was indeed abuse? Was there ever like a, a, I always call them come to Jesus moments? Was there ever like a huge pivotal moment in your life um, with your mother where you kind of stepped back and were like, okay, this really is not healthy behavior, um, and and you you know realized it then. Yeah. Um, something
0: changed around the time that I was 13. Um, there were some things that, um, there were like little comments as like, I started becoming a woman, um, that and you were the oldest, right? What? You're the oldest of your siblings. Mm Yeah. There were little things about, like, my body changing that she said that bothered me. Um, But I still
1: wouldn't have. (laughs) She's like, like, that's awkward. Even, you know, even (laughs) for you, you don't have any older siblings. No. You're kind of um, the head of the pack in some form. You also don't really know what a normal mother may be like per se right? no absolutely not and I have um
0: even at 13 I have no friends um (laughs) and I think my I want to state this too my mother made sure that I had no friends um it was very hard with the lifestyle that we lived to have friends um but any friends that I did have um there was a friend from childhood who lived across the street her name was Brooke um and I don't remember what it was I remember being in the pool Um, And I remember my mom saying something to me. I don't remember what she said. But I remember after she said it. I never felt comfortable around Brooke again. And I like I look back at that. um, And I was like, did Brooke really say those things? Like, I don't know what she said even but like, did Brooke really? She was just a girl. Like, did my mom just now
1: told you that Brooke said something that made you really uncomfortable and not want to be around Brooke. Wow. That is. Yeah. Shame. So, um,
0: but like, I, i went ENFP, um, which if, if, for anyone that says, oh, I'm an extrovert or an introvert, that's like, there's other like initials after the extrovert but I'm an extrovert but I'm one of the most introverted extroverts but at that time like now I need my alone time but at Mm -hmm. that time in my life especially in my childhood I craved human connections so much and was denied it um to like to prevent any outward influences um And I was told things like it's better to have a few small good friends than a wide network of friends. Because I had told my mom that I probably would want to have a wide network of friends. And um, for any of my girlfriends who would ever listen, um, I love you. And you are part of my wide network of friends. And I don't think wide has to mean that you're not deep. Like you can be wide and deep.
1: Um, And... um, questions Priscilla this like every time you say something new it makes my brain pop up with like five new questions okay sorry sorry. Uh, let me try to stay on focus um but at that time
0: you're absolutely right because I had one of the things that I found like was very helpful for me um was ultimately I didn't make my true first friend until I was 17 um and that's not to say that my sisters don't count my sisters count but we're all in this together so i have no other like girlfriends siblings
1: technically were your only friends yeah Anyways. and they don't
0: they, they count but they don't count in terms of like having another girl to compare right. what's your relationship right. with your mom like oh your mom doesn't say that right right you know, right you can't right. have those types of conversations and girlfriend relationships can also be really important when we talk about um sex or like different things that um can be difficult because we all tried to piece together what we know from our mothers. Yeah. Um, but, um, when I turned 13, I begged my parents, like, as in like tears running down my face, I didn't feel like I was going to be able to go on. It just felt so isolated and so lonely. I really wanted friendship and what I really wanted to do was go to public school. Um, and, um, my parents really like wanting to maintain a Christian environment. My dad was like, you know, Priscilla, there's going to be swearing and stuff at public school. You don't need to be exposed to all of that. Um, And so what my dad decided was like an in-between compromise because he wanted to do what was best for his child, but also, um, sorry, I hear a little bit of static. I hope I'm not cutting out, Um, but also wanted to kind of, somewhat you know be with my mom in terms of like having control on the environment like not letting me be exposed to wrong influences um he decided to he decided to say well Priscilla you can't go to public school but you can join 4-H okay so
1: 4-H was your what's the word for that not escape, but like, that was your getaway. That was, kind your... of.
0: um, there was an incredibly lonely period of my life. Um, so my dad also got like horses for me and I started, um, showing cows. Um, and I think the moment, um, <laughs> can continue with this later, but I think the moment that really, like I could say so much about like what I was going through between um, like 14 and 18 and like where I was exposed to other adults for like um, one time a month um, and other children for like one time a month and like during that period you really got the Feel of what I have a lot of things that I could say, and I can also say that I still I didn't want my privilege, even though it was one times a month, I didn't want that taken away, so I didn't want to say anything to anyone that would alert them to the situation. Um,
1: that makes my heart hurt for you, my friend.
0: <laughs> and then also, there's really like nothing that one can say because um, you run this fine line between parental Absolutely. rights. Absolutely. Um, and like, how can you like tell, like, if a child's just saying something or if this is, you know, a real issue and like, how can you say, where do you draw the line? If it's not with physical bruises, if we're talking about something more mental, emotional, spiritual, when we're talking about these types of abuses, how do you even draw the line? And How do you have a conversation with a kid about that? Like, there's really, I don't feel any guidelines. Um, and So individual, um, but hopefully what I'm sharing will allow someone to realize, hey, some of these things happened to me too, or some of these things are happening to me. um, And maybe I can speak to another adult
1: (laughs) still talking. Oh my gosh. It takes me so long to get to the point. No, no, it's so, it's very seriously. I'm, I'm, gl- I'm glad you're adding every detail in there. I'm because- just like going all the way around to
0: answer your question, but just kind of filling in. So this is some of the context of like the moment right. when I really realized that something was wrong. And that was um, my dad bought me for my cow. Um, her name was Sweepy, and I loved her. Um, oh, he bought goodness. me a little bottle from fleet farm of hairspray for her black hairspray and a yeah. tail brush because you needed the tail brush in the back of your pocket while you were showing i um, mean this is going to be my first time um showing it i was 14 and oh my gosh i have been good up until this point um but this is making me a little misty eyed oh girl okay Mm -hmm. (sighs) because like a lot of this I've lived through or a lot of this I've talked through um with other people I'm a very much an external processor Mm -hmm. um but it still kind of hurts because it's a gauge of like like what you said like how I knew something was wrong
1: um oh my gosh girl you're gonna make me we're here for you seriously my heart just but you know know that you're not alone in this there's so many people that unfortunately do have to go through this and Mm you you sharing your story is such an amazing um Thing for these people who may also be struggling with the same thing, because they also feel that they are not alone in what they're going through. And if you can get through it, they are able to know that they can do it too. And so you're such a great example of that. And you're such a great example of strength for what you've gone through. And I admire you for it. Um, I think you're amazing. You're inspiring. And just thank you for having the um courage to even talk about um your story to me and to our podcast. So thank you.
0: Absolutely. Um, it's so huge for me um, for me to discover that I always knew it wasn't me. Um, I knew that I was um that we're made with inherent worth, that God makes us with inherent worth. Um, and I think that Um, held me through everything. Um, But um, it wasn't until I was older and actually did research and kind of got an idea of what was going on um, in my 20s (laughs) that I finally had answers Mm -hmm. um, to like bigger picture um, and Potentially. I mean, I'm not my mother. I can't know her exact motivations, but, um, potentially what psychologists say are motivations for this type of behavior. Yeah. Um, and I can't speak to her, her experience. I can only speak to mine. Um, but anyway, I, my, I was so excited about it. I think it only costs like seven or eight dollars um, These things uh, my dad bought for me. Um, and I was on the stairs um, for us to, like, we had three levels: we had the basement, main floor, and then the upstairs um, where we had all our bedrooms. And I was. On the stairs, my dad had gone ahead into my brother's bedroom, where my mom was with my brothers. Um, And it was relatively late at night, I think it was like eight or nine. And um, she just lost it. She lost it at my dad. um,
1: For buying you these things. Mm-hmm. what does a cow need hairspray for <laughs> is one of the words mean she it. like she literally like
0: was it crazy. was hours of yelling
1: oh my goodness
0: like and <laughs> it was this weird thing where um I will always have tied for me Um, I think to my experience with, um, 4-H and my teenage years, Mm -hmm. um, of fighting for myself and my dad attempting to fight for me and, um, the ways he was willing to tolerate and pick his battles, um, it was just so much work. Like it truly sometimes felt like, is it even worth it to fight for what mm-hmm. I want? Is it, um, would it just be better if I didn't get the label of rebel? I mean, I still believe I would have been called rebellious for anything. And I don't think it was until, um, some of my girlfriends laughed at me for saying that I was consi- like, I identified for a while with the term rebel, uh, what I truly believe I was, um, like now i believe i was anything but um but that i really just kind of like i i knew like where my end was and like this was something that i was willing to fight for um uh, and it was something my dad was willing to fight for because he knew how unhappy i was um but if it wasn't for h it would have been something else i would have still gotten the label um But I think that's where (sighs) that, like, bottle of hairspray for a cow and a comb for a cow's tail is, like, for me, when I really knew that everything that I wanted to do going forward to be my own independent person was going to be a crazy fight (laughs) for, like, no reason. And I would never know. Um, what would set her off. Um, I remember that that was very emotional like for me and apparently it is because here I here I am 14 not 14 not 28. Yet. <laughs> um, here I am 12 years later um, and it still can bring tears. So um, it's not really something that I've talked about because it's something that, um, has always stuck with me but has not been something I don't think anyone's ever asked me specifically in that question like when was the moment that you knew I knew a lot of things building up to it but like, how was your that was your that was your point yeah I think I knew I was gonna have to fight for every inch of freedom
1: girl you're making me watery eyed over here my friend that's Thank you for sharing that. First of all, I know that was really, that was tough for you to do. Um, but again, like I said, just know that you are heard and know that you weren't crazy for wanting a simple hairbrush for your cow and some <laughs> spray for your cow. Um, I know that that story will no doubt change somebody else's life and help somebody else. To get through exactly what you had to go through too, so
0: yeah, I hope so. And there is, I think, I've lived so much life. Um, you did. I think my life really truly turned around until I went no contact. Um,
1: but that is perhaps three episodes out. <laughs> hey, <laughs> we need to take three episodes. I would gladly take three episodes. I always say, you know this podcast for us, I know we've talked about it, but it's such a healing thing for me. Um, because just like you said before, you're, you're an external processor. I am too. I like to physically verbally talk about things that are on my brain. Um, and that helps me to heal. And some things that we talk about are really hard and really heavy, and we don't even realize it at the time until we're talking about it, but it brings up some hard emotions for us um but i think that's what makes this podcast what it is right it's a place where um people do come and let their guard down because that's what we do and um it's a place to push people to let their guard down to openly talk about maybe something that is going on in their life that is really really hard um and that's why i feel very blessed an honor that we are able to have this um platform to you know share those things as hard as they can be sometimes and both of us have gone through quite crazy and hard things um but you know if this is the lord's way of of getting um his testimony out for both of our lives then this is the way to do it so I love that. I mean, I feel like that is
0: truly like when I look on my story, um yeah. there've been people who've said like and everyone deals with it differently. I know some people these types of experiences um take them away from the Lord and they might need mm-hmm. um someone else in their life to show them love to yeah. but like for me um, this experience, like, really rooted um, my faith and the value that, um, I I will say it, like, forever, like, I think inherent worth is, like, the biggest thing for any human. Um, Even my mother, um, I think if we all knew that um, we had inherent worth, we would be a lot less likely to try to seek worth um, from other things.
1: Other things. Yes. Uh, Yes, 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 yes. You know, this is God. We're part of our goal in this podcast is to share God's. um, What's the word I want to say? God's testimony in our life. And we both have had to go through struggles um, to get there. Um, But at the end of the day, God is still good. And he is still worthy of praise. And regardless of what we have gone through, he is the one that has carried us through. So this is what this podcast is for. And if someone can pop on this podcast and listen to your story, Priscilla, tonight and say, wow, what an amazing God we have to guide this, this girl, you know, here, I think, what did he say? It was 12 years later, 12 mm-hmm. years later, where you are in life right now, you're healthy. You have an, a, an amazing husband, you have a home, you know, you're in a, some, a good place, better yeah. place than most people. And that's all because of, that's all because of faith. It's all because of trusting God and, Um, trusting him to get you through what you went through and what a perfect example seriously you are for somebody listening to you on this podcast episode because there is somebody out there you will touch at least for sure one person um and they're gonna truly think thank the lord that they popped on here but also maybe you're also opening the door for them to grow their relationship with Christ and I think that more than anything that we can do on this podcast is the most important thing and message that we can try and get across so that is
0: so good Madison and he truly is so so good um, to anyone who is going through some of this stuff especially um, if you are under the age of 18, because in the internet, um, there can be, you know, you can reach a wide variety of people. So like, if you are under the age of 18, if you are going through things that don't constitute as um, physical abuse, but, you know, there's some pain there. Um, yeah, I, I guess my encouragement would be to say you have inherent worth. Um, knowing that has gotten me through everything. Um, it has allowed me to have a higher standard of what I should expect for myself. Even if I couldn't advocate for that, for myself at the time, I held on to hope that there would be a different life for me. Um, and, um, once you're 18 or 20, um, in my case, um, cause I left as soon as I could, but like ultimately didn't find true freedom until like around 20, um, wherever you're at, like you will get through it. Um, and
1: no one other than God gets to define your worth ever, ever, ever. Exactly. Okay. I think that's like the perfect way to end this right. podcast tonight. Um, this is, I am, I think we are going to, I, I for sure want to carry on this conversation. Um, so tune in for our next podcast thank you for listening to us and we just hope and pray each of you listening um have a wonderful day night morning wherever you are and never forget god's love for you Mm, yes did this resonate with you subscribe to our podcast today talk Talk soon. soon so your host next week heck yeah can't wait